entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and delighted to be back with you again for uh, yet another week. And uh, first, I'd like to start by saying a, a big thank you to my guest last week, Laura Ellis, um, for joining me to talk about better decisions and better business. Uh, the content of that show really helped me personally this week because I've been evaluating um, some fascinating collaborative opportunities. And rather than make a call myself, I went the extra to seek more counsel from my network. And it really got me thinking about how much. Uh, importance in the past I've put on my own intuition. Um, as Lara explained, she, you know, she sees intuition as being uh, the subconscious consolidation of all your past experiences and memories on things, and that you're not an expert in everything, so you're going to need input from others. So uh, I found that very helpful, a good show to listen to if you have the time. So today we're going to talk about turn around your business, uh, turn around your life. And I know one great decision that I'm confident that I've made was to invite Patrick Rettig on to the show. Uh, we had an awesome conversation planning for this interview, so I'm really, really excited about today. It's a fact that many businesses fail, and the consequences can include an extraordinary amount of pressure for those involved. So what must we be aware of to avoid it happening to us? And what are the keys to turning your business around when it's really struggling? For over 25 years, Patrick Rettig has successfully saved companies from bankruptcy. And you're going to realize he's passionate about helping the American entrepreneur, the company's $20 million and under, which are the backbone of the United States. And hey, with this show accessing over 50 countries, we're going to, we're going to help some entrepreneurs globally today, I'm sure. Patrick appears regularly on TV and radio. He's been on shows including Fox Business, Varney and Company. What you're going to notice, though, I think, is his approach. It's direct, it's honest, it's pragmatic, and he has a real talent for identifying problems and, and operationally structuring, implementing solutions and restructuring staff. And as such, he ensures maximum productivity and efficient financial management. His experience includes companies of all ages, startups, turnarounds, restructured environments. Patrick knows that most people have a hard time with change, but successful turnarounds, they require, they require lots of change. Survival through insolvency is difficult, and it's important to talk to someone who's got experience. By waiting too long for things, things will only got, get worse. And what I really noticed talking to Patrick is actually he, you know, his, his wisdom uh, not only helps people turn their business, business around, it also helps them turn their lives around. He's originally from St. Louis, and today he resides in the high desert outside of Los Angeles, and he loves motocross, writing, performing music, and screenplays as well. So a big uh, welcome to um, our guest today, Patrick Rettig. Buddy, how you doing? Can you hear me? I'm, I can hear you fine. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Excellent. Thank you, thank you. Great. Well, good, good to speak to you today, and... Um, I wonder, maybe you could start and tell us a little bit about where you live and why you choose to live in the desert. Well, uh, you know, I uh, recently uh, got married. And um, before that, I would be asked by who knows how many uh, dates. I was on, why do you live in the desert? And when you achieve something, will you be moving 
closer to the ocean or perhaps Paris or perhaps um, somewhere exotic. And the truth is, is I moved here because I like it. I have arrived. So I live out in the desert on the side of a mountain. And when I sit down in my backyard with a cigar and my two dogs, I can look off to the left and I can see a city, I don't know, 70 miles away. I can look off to the right and I can see another city, maybe 150 miles away. I can see it way down there. I like it out here because basically it's still kind of wild. Mm-hmm. You know, my kid asked me one time, uh, I have a, my youngest at the moment until we have another baby, which is coming in about two and a half weeks, splashed down as planned. But my youngest <laughs> at the time said, why, Dad? Why do we, uh, why did you pick this place? And I said, look out in the backyard. We've got 10 acres in the backyard. I go, you see out there in the backyard? What do you see? And she goes, desert. I just see desert. And I said, well, what I see is the last time that somebody touched that ground out there in the backyard, it had to be God. It had to be God because nobody's been out there since the beginning of time. And I like that. My life is raw. And the people and emotions that I feel and that I see and that I engage, they're raw. And when I meet people, they're not at their best as far as they're concerned. I, however, think they are at their best. They've lost everything. They think they've lost everything. They think they're upside down and they failed. But the person I'm talking to, he's real. He's real. And when I come home at night, the sky is blue. And the desert is raw. My dogs are happy to see me. Uh, my wife is, uh, she's, uh, I think, 72 weeks pregnant right now. And she's raw, man. My, uh, my life seems complete. It's quiet out here. And, uh, well, it's quiet until I come home because I uh, play rock and roll. Um, I ride motorcycles. I have giant trucks and trailers. And I fit in just fine out here. So I believe that answers the questions. I like it out here because there's no pretense out here. It is what it is. And by the way, that sky blue thing, I'm a pilot. And uh, when I look up there and I see those stars, you know, it reminds me that not only is it beautiful up there and that perhaps the Garden of Eden is still here, but that I'm a very small part of it. And I'm very happy to look up there and see a billion stars that I can actually see. And it's not that far out of L.A., but I'll tell you what, if I go just a little bit west and L.A. kicks in, I can't see the stars anymore. So does that answer the question? (laughs) Uh, I was going to say, when you were talking, I must have the most amazing stars because of the lack of light pollution there. It must be incredible. You can see the whole Milky Way of it. It's so berserko cool. It's berserko cool, man. I think one of the most amazing things I ever, I, you know, I did. I'm sitting on a uh, on a beach in the north of the South Island of New Zealand with no light pollution at all, and the colours you could see the colours in the in the Milky Way. It was just just incredible. Uh, really, in my you, thought, you, you feel you really feel you're very just a very small part of what what there is. You know, in my in my history of work. You can imagine that I work on both sides of the clock because I can have clients on all time zones. And uh, I can be coming in from work at dawn 
I can be going to work at dawn. I can be coming to work at sunset or from work at sunset. But dawn, when I take that airplane, I, I fly a little plane called a Trinidad, and I have two of them in case one of them breaks so that I can still get to work. Now, uh, if, if you ever hear me complain about my job, I give you permission to smack me. Nobody in their right mind, less of all me, deserves to have two airplanes. But when I take off in the morning, by the time I hit the end of the runway, I'm doing about 150 miles an hour. And as I peel off of that runway, which I do, I can feel the G-force of that airplane, and I look up in that sky, and if it's dawn and it's just starting to crack, I see colors that men who can't fly will never see. And I feel so blessed to be able to see what um, the work that heaven has accomplished. It's out there, man. And I peel off and I start climbing through the clouds and there's layers in the morning, little layers of clouds. And as I peel off, I can still see the ground and I'm going through those layers and I see colors like that I have never seen. Now I've got a, my, my youngest is uh, 13. So we still have coloring books around here. We have a lot of colors. She likes to paint. And I think to myself, with all the paints that I have around my house and all the colors and all the crayons, the colors that I see out of the cockpit of that plane, I've never seen in a crayon box. Never. Um, amazing. So, sounds uh, absolutely wonderful. Um, we've only got about three minutes, so we've got to go to the first commercial break. But uh, just maybe you could just give us a little snippet of, of you know your early years. Because, I mean... How did your life start? To you've now got you got you fly to work. You've got motorbikes. You live in the deserts. You've got new family coming, an extra family uh, addition coming along. And what 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 was it? Where did where did you where did you start off? You know, I I just needed a job uh, when I was back there. But I I want to break in and tell you I've done a lot of interviews, and I actually had a pre-interview with you and. Uh, I don't generally have any pre-interviews, and I always wondered why not. I wondered if people don't really care what the, what's going to happen. They think that uh, I, I, don't, I don't understand why they wouldn't do that. I had the most amazing connection with you, uh, and we talked for a long time, uh, I think over an hour. And, uh, and uh, I want to say that the way that you care about what you're doing is impressive to a guy like me. Because when I started my business, I just needed a job. And everybody was closing their, every time I get a job somewhere, <clears throat> I had a little girl, my oldest is 30, and uh, she just bought a business, and she's struggling with her business, and oh, it's wonderful for me. I mean, if she's listening to this, she'll roll her eyes, because I get <laughs> to hear all about her new business and help her with her decisions. I love it. I love it. And she just bought that business, and she's struggling through it. And I remember when I had her. I was a single dad. She was about uh, two years old, and it dawned on me she was never going to stop growing. And she was never going to stop eating, and that I would want to buy this little girl a rocket ship if she wanted it. So I uh, had just completed my rock and roll trip, my rock and roll tour around the country one more time. And I realized I had to go back to school, which I did. <clears throat> and when I got out, long story short, music 
and writing music and working with music, I started to score films. And by doing that, I ran into a lot of companies that were having uh, a struggling time. Now, there's no need to bore you with my history, but from one thing that led to another, my dream, and I put that out there for those people that are listening, the dreams that I have of playing music and rocking and rolling, motorcycles, airplanes, you know, like the kid that said he wants to grow up to be a fireman, don't put those down. Every crazy-ass thing I ever thought of in my life, I do today to make a living. And that music brought me to film school, and film school brought me to, the, to graduate from college when I was, you know, 30 years old. I'm a little bit of a late bloomer. And then I needed this little girl. This little girl needed a, a dad, and I needed a job. And I ran into companies that kept going out of business, and finally one day I said to a man, I said, look, dude, I got a two-year-old. I can't afford not to get my check. And this is the third business this year that's going out. Of, going out. I said, why don't you talk to me about it? Now, I was nothing in that company. I was an editor's assistant or something like that. And he said, who are you? And I said, I work in the basement. My name's Pat. And I got a two-year-old. Did you hear that part? I can't afford not to get my check. And you told me that I'm not going to get my check. But you didn't tell me. Somebody else told me. So I want you to tell me so that I can help. And he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I have no idea. But I know this. When I get back home tonight, I don't need to be looking for another job. I need this check. And I made friends with that guy. I'm friends with that guy today. And I got to tell you something, man. When your heart's into it, when your heart's in the right place, I don't care how screwed up everything is. If you're listening to me today, if anybody out there if you have any brains left in your head, pick up the phone and call me. Why? Because the only person that understands a lunatic is another lunatic. <laughs> yeah. So I started that way, and it went from one company to the next, and it is simply common sense. Did I decide to go back and get an MBA? I did not. I, I didn't have time. I didn't have time. I'll tell you this. Common sense is not so common. And stupid is very, very, very expensive. Now, in my life, I have been stupid. I know the cost of stupid. But when I had that little girl, my life started. And I have been of service. Today, I help. Right now, I have, I don't know, um, probably 20 three active companies, active companies, and I fly an airplane to meet them all because I can't get to them all in a week. So I fly that, and if, if the clouds are not in my favor and it's not raining, I ride an Italian race bike, an Aprilia RSB4, to work because it's the safest, it's the fastest, it handles the best, and it stops on a dime. A very dangerous uh, company car, I must say. You must be very careful. So that is my life. I have children. My office is a seven-car garage that is uh, loaded with rock and roll, desks, computers, uh, motorcycles, and me. There's electric trains running all around the place. About uh, There's about, I don't even know, about 400 cars. The point I'm trying to tell you is, is that if I can do it, 
and I can sustain simply for no other reason than love of a daughter, you can too. And if you love your business and your kids, you can do anything. The problem is is that everybody around you tells you you're screwed. The bank tells you you're screwed. The, uh, your wife says it doesn't look good. And you know, and, uh, the IRS says, I need your money that you don't have. Your credit cards are maxed out. Your friends tell you, if I were you, I'd get out of that. There's nobody around that says, hey, you know what? You made it this far. You must have done something right. You made it this far. There's nobody around that says that stuff. There's nobody around. I, I say that stuff because I started with nothing. I had a check that was no good. And a kid that was 18 months old and an apartment in Marina Del Rey in Los Angeles, California. I didn't have anything. And I called my mom and dad at that time and they said, how you doing, son? I was like 30 years old. And of course, what did I say to my mom? Great. Out here in Los Angeles, California. It's all good, mom. It's all good. Listen, so, fantastic! It's um, re- you know, really, really, ins- uh, you know, inspiring story. Uh, yours for people, I think. Um, we're going to go to commercial break now, and after the break, let's get into talking around about turning around companies and how you do it. So, we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned in to be more achieve more with host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to info at be more 
That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with the, the fascinating Patrick Rettig. And uh, we're talking about his amazing, amazing life and uh, you know, how he, he went from gone from nothing to really uh, creating a life that he, that he loves. Um, but I want to chat around, you know, when I guess that really that's a big turnaround um, I'd be interested, Patrick. You know, how do you define turnaround, and and what are the main sort of problems that you see in companies when they get into difficulties? Uh, you know, there's a, that's a loaded question. Um, let me tell you. Uh, you know, if you were a brain surgeon and you went to a party, and everybody at the party said, "Oh, hello there, and uh, what do you do?" and you say, uh, "I'm a brain surgeon." Everybody looks at you and goes, oh, a brain surgeon. Like they know. Like they know what a brain surgeon does. They say, oh. So I learned very quickly that when I said at a party, I help companies that are in trouble, nobody knew what I was talking about. And one day in court, I heard the term turnaround, and I tried that out. Nobody knew what I was talking about. One day, I heard the concept, I mean, the title, Chief Financial Officer, CFO. So the next time I went to a meeting, I remember the day I went to a meeting, they said, and Mr. Reddick, what is it that you do? And I said, I am a chief financial officer for troubled companies. And everybody, like my friend, the brain surgeon, said, oh. And I knew I had come upon something. Because the truth of the matter is, what I do is very hard to describe. I help a CEO not give up on himself. And there isn't a title for that. I help a man find himself. Now, did he lose it? Yeah. Yeah. Because so many people suggested that, let's say his name is Bob. It's like everybody in Bob's life suggested that his name is Ralph, that he really isn't a plumber of a company, that he really isn't a cement president, a company of a cement company, that he really isn't a roofing company president, that he really isn't whatever he decided to be that he's failed at it, that he, he made a mistake, that the calling that he had, that perhaps heaven put in his head, was incorrect, that maybe he was standing too close to a guy named Fred, and he heard what heaven was saying to Fred and thought that heaven was saying that's him. That's all bullshit. When something occurs to you and you've made money at it for any amount of time, it's yours to do, and it's cool. When you fail at it, it's because you ran out of information. A CEO runs out of information. He gets to a point where he's making money, and then he says, hey, if I'm making this much money, I should be able to make more money. First mistake. And he says, you know, as long as I'm making this much money, the way to make more money is to borrow more money and make more stuff. Second mistake. The big mistake is, you know what? Now that I've missed payroll because my cost of goods and services has gone up drastically, 
I think I will simply mortgage my house, take a second out on it, make payroll, pay some bills, and I'll be fine. Third mistake, and the biggest mistake of all, is I don't think I'll tell my wife. I don't want to worry her. Let her worry. Worry is not a bad thing. Worry is an inspirational tool. When I worry in the morning, it gets me out of bed. Greed, for some people, gets them out of bed, as long as that's all it does is get them out of bed. Greed can get people out of bed. Worry can get people out of bed. Um, what's the big one that gets a big, bad rap? Uh, we don't want any stress. Nobody's stressed in our lives. We need to lower the stress. Lower the stress. Another bullshit. Bullshit. Stress inspires you to do what needs to be done. Now, the thing is, is people run out of where to go to get information. That's the key. This particular radio show, because of you, I have a lot of hope for it. A lot of radio shows that I, that I do, I, I, don't, I don't really know where they're going. I don't really know if they make a difference. You, you've got the kind of heart that's going to make a difference. The people that are listening to me out there, it's vital that you understand that desperate is a good thing as long as you get to me. Desperate is a good thing. Don't waste any time. Pick up the phone. We have to get back to our core customers. We have to say to ourselves, we found out where diminishing returns is. What's diminishing returns? It's when your ability to collect money, when your ability to collect money stops before your, uh, stops before your bills get there. That means that your bills get there first. Your bills get there first, and you can't collect enough money to pay them. That's diminishing returns. Would they say that at an MBA? I don't know. When I go teach at a college, do they say that? No, they argue with me about the term of diminishing returns. Do I care? I do not care because I am out here saving families, and I dig my job. I've got more than 20 years of bumping into diminishing returns. It's where your money, the ability to collect your money exceeds your ability to pay your bills. Okay, so now what do you do? You cut back. You get back inside the box. You say to yourself, cool, I now know where the line is. Does that say, did you hear me say, you're a jerk? You pushed it to the line? No, 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 no. What would the bank say? Bad stuff. What would the IRS say? Bad stuff. What does your friend say? Bad stuff. What do I say? Good stuff. I know where the line is now, so I back up behind the line. Now, is that easy to do? It is not easy to do, man. Like, uh, for instance, driving your car, it's way easier to drive your car forward than it is backwards, isn't it? It's hard to drive a company backwards. It's hard. But it must be done. It must be done. So the things that get us in trouble simply are we run out of information. Now, can you change that to, well, you got greedy. Well, uh, you uh, borrowed too much money. Uh, well, uh, you made a mistake in purchasing. Uh, you bought goods that weren't so good. Blah, 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 blah. It all comes down to not enough information. Because any of the other stuff, it starts to say to you that you are a failure and you're not. Anybody that has made money and caught and, and made a service, he has an ability. He has an ability to be a good steward, to be a good service. 
We are not ever, as uh, Iacocca said in his book so many years ago, he said, we are not in the business of cars, we're not in the business of parts, we're not in the business of windows and bumpers and paint. He's even in the car business, you remember? He said, we're in the business of people. When you figure out that people will pay more money if they know that you love them, when you figure that out, you're good. When people figure out that you love them, love them, they'll pay extra money for that. Why? Because you can't buy it. If you love your, if you love your job, people, you, you can't buy that. As they say, you can't buy it for love nor money. When someone cares about their life and they care about their company, that's my customer. When I ask my customer, do you want your company more than anything else? He's like, I do, but nobody, I don't know how to keep it. That's my guy. If I say, do you want your company more than anything else? He goes, well, you know, get this. I hear this all the time. This ought to crack you up. You know what? I'm negative. I don't have any money. and I'm kind of tired of this. I want to sell it for a lot of money and retire. You know, you're looking at a, a lunatic. A, a lunatic? I, I'm sorry, that, that's, that's me. A lunatic has some dignity to it. This is an idiot that I'm talking to. You can't sell your company when it's not worth anything. But people, when they say these things, I know they're not my customer. Because my customer, in the worst of times, says, man, I just want to get back to what I was doing. I just want to get back to my business. I owe a lot of money. Do I care? I don't. I uh, ran up a big tab uh, on my house. Do I care? I don't. Uh, the tax people are after me, and I don't know if I can ever get out of that. Do I care? I don't. Everybody's mad at me. My customers are mad at me. Do I care? I don't. Why not? Because there is a solution to all of them. There is a solution to these problems, and that solution is human beingville. You know that little sentence that people say, uh, hey, I'm only human, pisses me off. You know why? Because human is a magnificent thing. I am an example that you can go from nothing to a job. And what's the value of a job? The value of a job, any job that you do, is your self-esteem your self-worth. And I don't care what people say. I play rock and roll in church, brother. I rock those Christians to the wall every Sunday. I, pl I make Jerry Lee Lewis on the piano, I make Jerry Lee Lewis look like an innocent bystander. <laughs> and I know that we should all look to heaven for our, for our center. But I understand human nature. And a man's center is his job, how he does at work. That's where he finds himself. That's where he comes home and says, Hey, honey, you should have seen me at work today. I was amazing. That's a man. And it should be. So when we have work and we can't do it well, we feel badly about ourselves. Okay, so what do you do about that? You say, I am human. I am a great thing. I am a great thing. I get to be a human being. Why do you do that? We have to go back and negotiate with our customers. We have to put our head down and our hat out and say, yep, I got a little bit too big for my britches. I got to get back to uh, the stuff that counts. I want you to take my business a little at a time. 
I want you to hire me to do these things. I'll deliver a little at a time. Can we get back on track? I want to try for you, and I'm sorry that, that we had a falling out. Does that mean anything? You could put a dollar amount on every word I just said. A dollar amount on every word I just said. When you talk like that to the bank, so on and so forth, your creditors, yeah, yeah, it all works. It works one time. I tell people, please don't spend your second chance. Please don't spend your second chance. Because as you give your word of honor that you're going to try harder, people, people want you to succeed. We all want each other to succeed. What we don't like is being duped. So let's say that my customer says the bank feels duped. The IRS feels duped. Do I care? No. Because when I care is when I get there. When I get there, the rules are honor, integrity, truth, and the big one here, you know, vulnerability. You have to be vulnerable. You have to go to people and say, I dig what I do, and I want to keep doing it. I want to keep doing it. I want to keep doing it. So when you are listening to me, there is only one problem that we have. We have a money problem. We don't have enough money to pay our bills, but that creates one more problem. It creates a self-esteem problem for all of us that we feel we have failed. That problem is exponentially more difficult than the first one. So when I get on the phone, we start with the following. Whoever Mr. CEO is, my buddy, I tell him, you have done bitchin' things in your life. Bitchin' things. And we are going to do them again, a little at a time. And I tell the missus, and I tell the creditors, I need a little time. We're going to start small. And they say, well, I need a lot of money up front. And I say the truth. I say, well, you're not going to get a lot of money up front. There is no a lot of money to be had. We're going to start small. And we have to start our relationship over again because there isn't a lot of money. Well, then he did it wrong. I say, yeah, he did it wrong. <laughs> he did it wrong. Yes, he did it wrong. And now we're going to go back and try to fix that. There's a lot of power in that, a lot of power in that. What else can I do? What else can I tell you this morning that might help some people out there? So, I mean, what, what I'm taking from the conversation um, is that, um, you know, what, 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 you're, what, what you're saying is that um, people sometimes, you know, lose their way. They, um, they miss the information and the, the cues that things are, are going awry, and maybe they, they miss out on, or get lost in terms of what is really, really important, uh, that love that you talked about. Uh, and, you know, when, the, when it comes to needing to turn around, it's actually about, um, uh, it, it's about finding yourself again, um, being prepared to be vulnerable, um, acting with integrity and, uh, you know, and, and addressing the problems. I think when we talked, you, 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 you said about you've got to first look for where the hounds are, um, you know, where the, where the problems are and address them. Is, is that what you're saying? Of course. Uh, but really, the, the, the meat and potatoes, what I'm saying is, is that if you're successful, if you are destined to be successful, you must fail first. It's okay. You must 
fail first. If you are destined to succeed successfully, you must fail. You must understand where your limitations are. And the only way to do that is to push them. Some people push them in business. They go too far in business. And some people push them personally. They decide that the business is going to help. Uh, the business is going to run itself. And they are going to live a different life. Like they're going to start investing in real estate. Or they're going to start, um, they're going to buy a sailboat and sail around the world as their company uh, runs itself. Other people work 29 hours a day. And they, both of them are out of balance. But they've got to find that for themselves. They've got to fail to see where the line is. They've got to know that this isn't okay. But right after that, they've got to have somebody that is there to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't have somebody tell me what to do. So can you do it by yourself? I did. I did it by myself. But I can tell you this. If somebody would have helped me, I would have done it a lot faster. And my question to everyone that I work with is, how much time do we really have? And who wants to waste any time? But I wasn't in trouble when I started, like some of my, uh, some of my uh, customers. But over the years, the things that I have learned, I use them in my own life to keep myself in order. And they work every time. Is there anyone listening out there that I cannot help? I don't know. I've never run into anybody I can't help. Who, who are the people that I can't help? The people that I can't help are the people that don't want to try. They go shopping. What's that mean? That means I tell them to do five things, and they decide they're going to do two because they like to do two. How do people actually get in trouble? This is key, man. Sure, they over-encumber themselves. They borrow too much money. They go too far on uh, cost of goods and services. Uh, uh, they make loans on the bank, and uh, they use it to fix up their house instead of fix up their company. Uh, they take their tax money and make payroll with it. Sure, all those things happen. But when it comes uh, right down to it, they just simply decide to be selfish. They have entitlement. We all suffer now and then from a little bit of entitlement. We decide that the money of the company is ours to do with what we want. We earned it, and we should do what we want with it. That is a very valuable lesson, because the truth is, it is not our money. It belongs to an entity called the corporation. And that corporation is a living, breathing, organic thing. And it requires money and attention. And the big one, love. It requires love. So, in the balance of things, we have to take care of ourselves. We have to sleep, we have to eat right, and we have to exercise. And we have to feed our minds. Everybody gets so busy with life, get this. Everybody gets so busy with life, they don't have any time to make money. They get so busy with the job they're doing, they don't have any time to make any money. They don't have time to think, they don't have time to grow. They can't enjoy their children, their families, their minds, their own lives. They get all caught up in all kinds of crap, and then all at once they're in trouble. And then they're consumed with that. This, if I can, if you're listening to me out there, when you feel that consumed thing that you, you can't escape, you're consumed by fear and the agony of where you're at. By the way, people say, I'm confused. I don't know what to do. They're not confused. They know exactly what's going on. They owe more money than they can pay. 
and they don't know what to do about it. That's not confused. That's clear. Clear would be, I don't know why I owe money. I don't know why people are mad at me. I don't know. Everybody knows why. They spent too much money. Now they're out. So what do you do when you're consumed? You pick up the phone right now and call me. Now, can I take all the clients that call? So far, I've been pretty good about that. I feel like God gave me a life when I didn't deserve one. I was a rock and roller out there doing the things that rock and rollers do. And all at once, I had a little girl. And I had to get my life together. All at once, I had a little girl. So I, I didn't deserve anything. I didn't save up my money and go to Yale and Harvard. And now what am I doing? I'm helping people that came out of Yale and Harvard sometimes. But for the most part, I'm helping small business. I'm helping people that nobody else wants to help because they're out of money. And I figure out how to get us all paid. And I figure that out real fast. So if you're out there and you feel that all-consumed feeling, pick up the damn phone. It'll be a quality problem on the day that I say, wow, i got too many people, I can't handle them all. I have a, sm I have a small band of people that help me. And uh, we man as many companies as we can handle. And uh, sometimes, which is really exciting, i got to tell you something that's really kind of a gas. You know, some of the customers that I'm helping, they're actually starting to help me in other companies. Isn't that a gas? Some of the companies that I'm helping, those CEOs are now helping me in other companies. Isn't that a gas? So, so you you really, I mean, you see this as you're turning around a company as being a, a consult a, a sort of consultancy exercise. It feels like you're doing uh, with with the work that you're doing. You are also you're, you're transforming lives. You're 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 coaching. You're mentoring. You're supporting. But you're also you're you know sometimes in court negotiating. So the wide range of of skills that you that you utilize to do what you do. That's true. That's true. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah, That's and, um, I mean, sorry, if, if, um, you gave me some, an interesting example when you, you, you tell, we, were, we were chatting about, you know, when, when you represented clients in court and you found yourself up against legal people who sort of say, well, you know, what are you doing here? You know, you, you, you're not a lawyer and educated. Uh, and you had, you had a lovely response to that. I just wanted you to share that if you can remember what it was you said to me. <laughs> the first time, you know, like I was always afraid. When I first started this, I had major corporations in my keeping, and I would go to court as the expert testimony of the chief restructuring officer or a chief financial officer, and I'd be put on the stand to uh, give testimony as to what was happening. And I was always, uh, uh, you know, devilishly afraid of uh, what would happen uh, because I was not trained in the field especially if I was called on the carpet. And one day it came to pass. Now this is heaven in motion, brother. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to say, and I could see the words coming out of his mouth. It was like they were floating in the air. But he said, Mr. Riddick, I'm looking at your resume, and you are a graduate of Loyola Marymount Film School, and that hardly... <laughs> places you in a position of authority in a chief financial officer position for a corporation that is involved in a Chapter 11 reorganization. So I say to you and to the court that whatever your testimony is, 
I say it be stricken from the record, and you should no longer be allowed to be paid in this event, and you should step down as any professional that you purport yourself to be. I could see those words floating in the air. And I said, I, I will never know where this came from out of my mouth. I said, could you clarify everything that you just said? Because it was a lot. And he said, I am saying that you are not qualified. And I said, I will never forget. I said, oh, well, I absolutely agree with you. I don't know how I got this job in the first place, but I can tell you this, qualified or not, I know the truth about those numbers. I know the truth. And if you knew the truth, I wouldn't be on the stand. So if you want to know the truth and this court wants to know the truth, you're going to have to ask this unqualified dude that's sitting in front of you. And the judge in a federal courtroom cracked up. <laughs> cracked up. Cracked up. And she said, Counselor, do you have a response to our unqualified CFO? And he said, Your Honor, I've, I've made my statement. And she goes, Well, good. Then why don't you sit down? Because I would like to know the truth. <laughs> but, dude, I thought to myself, if I would have known I could say something like that, I wouldn't have been worried about it all that time. But that came out. And subsequently, because, you know, the federal system is, is kind of a, uh, a small fraternity of people. It got around real quick. It's not a good idea to ask the Pat guy if he's qualified or not. And so nobody ever asked me that ever again in 20-something years. And so I say to you, all of the CEOs that are out there, they are not qualified to be CEOs. And yet they make a company. And yet they bring in a paycheck. And yet they find a life in something that they wanted to do. And they had limited experience. And so I say to them, bravo, daddy-o, bravo, bravo. And then they got a little too far. They ran out of information. Big deal. That's easy. The hard part was deciding that they were going to commit to something that was in their head. And they did it. And it succeeded. Then they got a little bit out of, out of their information zone and they got in trouble big deal we can straighten it out and get back on track and that's what i do for a living isn't that bitching mm -hmm. mm. absolutely absolutely so it, it's uh, it's really i just we've only got um we've only got about two minutes left before the end of the interview i just wanted to ask you because you know you're i, I think you're just a, such a, a an incredibly fascinating character uh you know following your passion with your bikes and your rock music and your planes and, uh, and you're a real individual. And, uh, you know, one of the things I admire about you is that, uh, you know, you are yourself and, you know, some might say, you know, you're unorthodox or a maverick. Um, but I wonder what are your, do you have a recommendation for people who are, who are you know, entering into business, but they actually want to be themselves as well? Because I think you do that well. well. Yes. Yes. I, I tell you that what God made you, is magnificent. Be that. And the path that you will find is the original blueprint of what God meant you to become. Whatever he made you is bitching. What he means for you to become, you will find on a path if you be yourself. There's no reason, if your name is Bob, there's no reason for you to be Ralph. If your name is Ralph, there's no need for you to be Bob. 
Because, my God, if your name is Ralph and you decide not to be Ralph, who's going to be Ralph? Love the things that you love. Do the things that you do. Find a way to touch everything that touches your heart. Never, ever, 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 ever give away yourself and say that I am not enough. You are enough. He made good stuff. What do they say that? What was that commercial without to? It's great. God doesn't make junk. You're not junk. You're just finding your way. And in the finding of your way, you get better. So find your way. Accept it. And get a little help along the way. A big word here, and I'll leave you with that. Discerning. Be very discerning about who you ask for information from, who you hang out with. You hang out with bums, you're going to get information from a bum. You've got to hang out with people that have a passion for their life, and they want to do good things, and they want their children to live and love. Be discerning about who you ask questions to, who you decide to take counsel with. Can you dig it? Absolutely. Pastor, we've got to leave it there. It's been absolutely brilliant spending some time with you and uh, hanging out with you. And uh, I think some amazing messages in there, uh, who you hang out with. And uh, I don't know, if this, uh, I shall be listening to this for a while and dissecting the, um, the gifts in it. So thank you so much for being on today. Um, if you want to find out more about Patrick, um, you can go to the retigcorporation.com. Uh, is that correct, Patrick? Yeah, the- that's the Reddick, the Reddick, corporation.com. Yes, get this way. Get this. This is crazy. You ready for this? If you really want an overachiever package, I'm going to give you a telephone number. Oh, this is nuts. It's called, you call me and I pick up the phone. Oh, this is nuts. You ready? 760-662-9668. I just got a call from a guy a couple of days ago, and I picked up, and I said, hello. And he goes, is this really you? You just picked up the phone? I'm like, yeah, it's really me. Is this really you? He said, well, yeah. The greatest thing ever. We're kind of getting away from, you know, we got a little too much, you know, social media going on here. Let's just, just call me and say hi. Excellent. Well, you know, the, people listen to these shows for years, so uh, you uh, you never know when these calls might pop up. So it's been brilliant talking to you, Patrick. Hope you've enjoyed being on today. And if you've got any questions or feedback, um, send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Uh, next week's show, um, Professor Martin Parker, we're talking about alternative corporations, and we're going to be learning uh, some lessons from, uh, from really alternative businesses like uh, things like the Mafia and uh, Robin Hood and uh, movies and things like that, which will be really, really different and cool. So look forward to um, speaking to you again next week. And once again, Patrick, been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, typically 4 p.m. London on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week.